Coming up in this, let's call it report, pandemic automotive news update, Australia plus cabin fever has struck down the PR dudes and dudettes at Hyundai. But they are bravely fighting back, I'm told, with bold new tech. <laughs> Full details next. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. You may inquire at the website about that. Hyundai's off-meds PR extravaganza, lockdown, fight back, whatever, in just a sec. I can't believe they did this. All they wanted was to reinvent the humble air conditioner, but Google Maps went down on them and I think it was actually a, a three-way there with Google Translate, whatever. They took a wrong turn is what I'm getting at and ended up deep in Innuendo City. And this can happen, of course, to anyone. Look me in the eye and tell me you have not been there. But first, just to give you a snapshot of the state of latent automotive craziness pertaining out there right now, Melbourneian car dealers are on ice temporarily, of course, thanks to stage infinity lockdown restrictions down there. So that's kind of interesting if you want a new car in Melbourne. Data released this week actually shows that new car sales hit an 18-year low for July. And perversely, RAV4 was the market's top seller in July, and that was for the first time ever RAV4 led the market. This of course took place after Toyota finally extracted numerous digits and actually made some stock available. Who knew they could do that? Like, what a miracle. I mean, some people had been waiting nearly a year for their RAV4, so this is hardly an example of adroit sales success, more like the end of the longest worst prick tease ever. And I guess the worst thing about all of this is that none of those people actually got a discount, or very few of them anyway, and all they ended up with was a RAV4. Oh, what a feeling. SUVs made up more than half of all vehicles which were sold in July, and that was for the first time ever as well. And that's going to give some of you SUV haters on lockdown a little extra to whinge about. I know some of you like that. You're not happy unless you're outraged, admit it, and you know who you are. So, stock of just about every vehicle which you would want to purchase has nearly evaporated out there in the market, and six to eight week waits have become common on many new cars. So if you order a new car today, you're going to be lucky to get it by October. And if a car salesman says words to that effect to you, it's a friggin' miracle because when you look up at the clock on the wall, that might not actually be an example of bullshit o'clock. First time ever. If you can find a car dealer that's open. We can still help you with a discount on a new car and they, you know, will keep you at arm's length from reprehensible standard dealer operating procedures, but don't expect to take delivery next week, at least not in many cases. This is kind of COVID-19 versus car making and logistics globally, and 
the invisible enemy is proving somewhat formidable, even though it's just a half-dead string of microscopic RNA. New Hilux BT-50 and D-Max are still in the wings, obviously. Something to look forward to there, perhaps. They're kind of imminent. Facelift Ranger, also soon to debut, I understand. Kia, still dancing around with its freaking hand on our asses in respect of new Sorrento, which was meant to be here doing deals in June, but we're still waiting. Slightly longer term, of course, the new Kia Carnival, new Hyundai Palisade, new Tucson, new Santa Fe, plus the all-new Subaru Outback, all just waiting in the wings. But nobody's telling the fat lady she's on N5, sadly. Poised just over the visual horizon, all of those cars, but due within the next six months or so, subject, of course, to zombie pandemic prevarications. Bastard. Lots of pending upgrades among my most recommended vehicles, so there's that. And the stock shortages, right, they mean that run-out type fire sales are going to be minimised in the months ahead, which is good for car makers but bad for us. And you've got to remember that run-out sales only ever take place when there is a glut of the old model that they need to get out of here to make way for the new one. In other news, depressingly enough, surrounding the pandemic, cyclists have recorded a 40% increase in road death here in Shitsville. They're the only group to record a rise during the pandemic. And I know some of you hate cyclists, which is kind of irrational. It's like cognitive dissonance right there. They're people like you. And I urge you to realise that cyclists are people. They have every right to use the road. They're quite vulnerable and most entitled to be there, right? Every cyclist is a car that's not gumming up the works. So there's that as well. And you need to try. You have this fundamental legal and moral obligation. You've got to try really, really hard not to hit one, okay? To me, that just sounds like the best plan. Because even if you hit one and you're in the right and he's in the wrong, it's gonna work out badly for you. It's gonna be bad for him as well, but certainly you will not get away scot-free. So we all need to just take a chill pill and all do what we can to make sure that we all get where we're going. How hard is it? In somewhat more uplifting news now, the zombie virus has delayed the release of the Skoda Scala and Kamek. Thank you, zombie virus. It's got to be good for Australian new car buyers. <laughs> I think you'd agree. Bit of good news there to balance the bad. That's always nice. And because I know you were wondering, following that massive ammonium nitrate blast in Beirut earlier this week, which was just terrible. That's like you couldn't look away, but it was so awful, right? Anyway, disgraced former Nissan boss Carlos Ghosn is safe. Thank God. Allah. Zeus. Whomever. Anyway, at least he's okay. He's capable of dodging more than one bullet, pretty clearly. And finally, speaking of near-death experiences, where would we be without Holden? party and the fire sale there is of course nearly over. I'm told that just 2,000 Holdens remain still on the block allegedly and 
many dealers are already ripping down their Holden signs, of course, freeing up showroom space for other viable brands and effectively wiping Holden off the map well ahead of GM's 2021 execution warrant. Perversely on this, though, the final Colorado Utes are yet to arrive on shore from Thailand, as are the final Commodores, which come, of course, from Germany. Most Holden dealers will become spare parts and servicing outlets henceforth after hilarious war of words over compensation from GM, which has certainly entertained the shit out of me for the past six months. And I know I am not alone. Kind of looking forward to a reality TV series orbiting this whole drama, you know? Perhaps we could call it Australia's Biggest Assholes. Edge of the seat stuff, I'm sure. And a walk-up starter ratings powerhouse for seven or nine. Certain to nab all three people under the age of 70 who still watch free-to-air TV. Remember that. Unfortunately, however, all of this Holden commotion has awoken Industry Minister Karen Andrews from her hypersleep pod deep in the bowels of Schittsvillian Parliament. The Minister is, in my humble estimation at least, one of the nation's finest Karens. There's nothing this Minister would not do for this nation, and I think you'd agree, she seems to do exactly that for this nation rather a lot. In a rare departure, however, she suddenly decided that it might be nice to stop giving Holden any more taxpayer funding. Go figure. That would be, of course, the money you paid in tax recently, like there was a choice, and which you have continued to pay Holden throughout its staggering betrayal of our nation. Just saying. Finger on the pulse, Minister Karen. This train wreck, right? It's been public domain tabloid fodder for years now. And right now, at the 11th hour, the minister has woken up a bit sleepy and acted decisively earlier this week, deregistering Holden from the Automotive Transformation Scheme and putting the brakes on more than $1 million in further taxpayer funding, which Holden would have otherwise received. But this is a drop in the ocean, frankly, in terms of savings. Too little ministerial action, far too late. Holden has, of course, received more than 2 billion Schittsvillian micro-pesos in recent years from you and, of course, me. And I don't know about you, but I am quite offside about that. This is just another snapshot, right, of governmental ineptitude on both sides of the house, in my view. Pretty easy to waste that money if it's not you footing the bill, really. It's coming out of everyone else's pocket, right? Happily, this is the kind of thing that will see me ensconced in Parlement before you know it, where I give you my solemn oath that I will move heaven and earth to make Australia less shit as your next Prime Minister. I'll also erase 2020 from the history books. I will sign an executive order banning 2020 retrospectively. Yes, owing to it being such an ass of a year. So that's nice. <laughs>
And now, of course, Hyundai, blowing it badly with exciting new HVAC tech. Now, I don't know about you, but when I see a press release about exciting new developments in automotive air conditioning, I simply have to drop the nearest Ming mole and read that release. Clearly, this is a character defect. HMG develops AC tech to maintain clean air in vehicles. Superficially, of course, who doesn't want that? I know I want clean air in my vehicle. I'm quite sick of that in-cabin smog now that I think about it. Apparently, this new tech has some multi-air mode in the new system with ducting in the seats and hidden everywhere else, like in the dashboard with little pinholes or something. Quote, unquote, providing gentle wind, which you've doubtless always wanted. Down there, am I right? Who knows, right? You might have some gentle wind of your own to contribute to the in-cabin ambient from time to time. I know I certainly do. Apparently this new technology, quote-unquote, softens the air, which is going to be quite nice because there's nothing we hate in a car more than hard friggin' air. So there's that. Helpfully, we are further informed by way of exciting new press release. A fine dust sensing system in the vehicle continuously measures air quality and delivers digitised air quality data to the driver in real time. Thank your deity of choice there too. I mean, nothing like real-time air quality data to help you drive that car better. Am I right? The system is colour-coded helpfully from blue when the in-cabin dust load of PM2.5 particles ranges from 0 to 15 micrograms per cubic metre, then it turns green and then orange, and finally red as the micrograms increase to 76 per cube, that's the threshold of redness, and beyond, at which point, of course, paramedics are summoned, and oxygen masks drop from the ceiling, and a range of eulogy suggestions are helpfully presented on the centre infotainment display. Yes. However, saving the best to last, the best aspect, not funny, of the new tech is doubtless this. I don't think I could make that up. The after-blow system, which we are reliably informed by way of video snapshot, addresses the, quote, root cause of unpleasant odours. They pen this shit in a gentleman's club? I suppose that's a rhetorical question. Of course, we will never know. Basically, the system uses wasted energy in innuendo to deliver dry air onto the evaporator in the HVAC system to prevent fungus and mould and legionella, whatever, from growing in your pipes after a lengthy blow on a hot, sticky day, which I think you'd agree is quite considerate. And it's not even April the 1st. That is what this system is. It's hot air blowing on the evaporator to prevent fungus and stinky cabin. Yes. Well done, Hyundai PR dudes, for naming that system, and you do debts as well at the highest level. You know who you are. Straight from the Ron Jeremy finishing school for aspiring PR executives. If you'd like to see another excellent example of fine work such as this, 
Just Google the term Subaru Forester Fox and see what happens. Another entertaining corporate comms initiative right there, which will, of course, never go away. Ever, 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 ever. Thanks to the internet. So that's rather nice too. Personally, though, I will not be an after-blow early adopter. I just won't. I'm going to wait eagerly, however, for the release of After-Blow 2.0, which, I'm told, will, in addition to drying those pesky pipes, give you a peck on the cheek, a quick reach around, tuck you in, turn off the lights, and, importantly, delete your internet browsing history in the event that you die unexpectedly overnight. Yes. It's very important to do that and often overlooked. Your next of kin will thus not be burdened and needlessly exposed to your frequent visitation of nunswithbigcans.com. You should visit that one too, it's quite interesting. At least it was last time I visited. And you will not thus needlessly bear the brunt of endless habit and hooter jokes post-mortem, you know, at future family weddings and birthdays. 2020 has been grim, I'll admit. There's no doubt about it, but the future clearly is still on track and looking rosy. There is absolutely hope. So bring it on, dudes. Thank you very much for watching, and of course, have a good weekend.